This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans that bleed two-tone blue. Justin Hartwig, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Welcome to Two-Tone Uncensored. I'm your host, Ryan Moreland. With me, as always, the founder of www.cutsupernaw.com, Matt Necrone. What's up, Matt? Kids gotta go. Shit's ridiculous. I think a lot of people would agree with you after this week. And next, Glenn Lotzenheiser, who called that Klug would get his first sack, and that's exactly what happened. Glenn, what's up? It was a half sack, but I'm taking it anyway. Nah, I mean, credit where credit's due. Before we jump into the show proper, a few things we want to go over. Uh, Pro Bowl voting still open. If you haven't gone on there, or even if you have, go on there, re-vote for all your Titans players you think deserve to be in the Pro Bowl. You can do that at NFL.com. Also, every week, we've mentioned it several times on the show, keep a lookout for Glenn's Know Your Enemy articles. Really good stuff, full of information, a lot more in-depth than we can go on to uh, in the short time that we have the show. So definitely check them out uh, every week, you know, taking on the new opponent. They're updated every single week. So let's jump right into the mailbag, guys. First question here, Tony McCoy asks, Why do you think our linebackers are struggling so bad with opposing tight ends? Well, simply put, they cannot cover shit. That's where I think that we're having the most struggle out of our whole defense is linebackers covering over the middle of the field. Naturally, that's where the tight end lines up. But I I think that we're in position. We're in position for the most part, but I mean, we're we're basically just missing these passes. I mean, Andrew Luck basically carved us up. There's actually an interesting stat that I saw was Andrew Luck was nine for nine when targeting uh, our linebackers, Avery Williamson and Sean Spence, and two of those went for touchdown. Um, Jack Doyle, like we said last week, you know, he carved us up. We knew Hilton was going to have a good game on the outside, but just like we said last week, Jack Doyle, probably the biggest benefactor of uh, their offense because our linebackers cannot cover. Our biggest problem with our middle linebackers is that they're read and react guys. Uh, we don't have that instinctive linebacker, the guy who makes plays and coverage. You, you don't see a lot of big plays out of our guys. You know, they, they have moments where they'll hit people real hard, but it's always after the catch. You know, after they've gotten through the hole and they've got a couple yards downfield, you don't see them blowing up the pocket. You don't see them stuffing the hole on a run. They wait till the running back gets through the hole before they make the move. We just don't have the guy in the backfield who instinctively knows where he needs to be, whether it's through tons of film study or just you know having that feel for the game. Until you get that guy, until you get that playmaker, you're going to keep having this problem. And we had that same problem with the safeties. You know, so the guys that are behind our linebackers that are supposed to be controlling them are also read and react kind of guys as opposed to instinctive guys. You know, read and react is good because it's safe, but if you don't have a playmaker back there, someone who's real instinctual, you're not going to make that big play, you know, the big interception and things like that. Not a lot to add here. You guys nailed it right on the head. With just a lack of talent. We they're not that talented of guys. Their kind of game's not suited well for coverage, as Glenn brought up. And that's where it comes from. Moving on here, Jay Russell sends this one in. How long can the O-line have success with Brian Schwinky starting? 
I think they're in serious trouble. Schwenke got blown up on a few plays when he came in. And I know Quentin Spain, I'm not sure exactly how long he'll be out. I, I think I saw he was out for a few weeks. So as well as the O-line has been playing, I'm not sure if uh, Schwenke can step up and fill that spot. I don't know if uh, one of their other guys behind Schwenke can, can come in and, and play a little bit better than that. But the O-line with Spain included, they're real close. They've been going out to eat every week, and they just have a great relationship. And I'm not so sure that Schwenke, being a starter um, when he first came into the league, kind of got put on the back burner. I'm not sure what his attitude is as far as you know getting along with the guys, but he needs to get it together. I don't think he, you know, when, when we took him in the fourth, it was either the fourth or fifth round, he was actually... I believe that one of the top centers rated at the time, for whatever that's worth, we threw him into the fire and basically burned his confidence. It, it shows now and even when, you know, when before he got hurt. And he had a pretty gruesome injury, so I'm not sure if he's fully back to 100%, but I really hope we have an answer behind Schwenke because I don't think he's our answer. Man, our biggest problem, you know, coming into the uh, preseason was can our offensive line get it done? Can our secondary hold up? And our offensive line really surprised us. As long as the starters were in there, Things were going pretty good, but you know we're, we're minus Warmack, who wasn't having a very good season, and we actually looked a little bit better after he went out. But you know Jacob Bell, we, we could really use him right now, and I wasn't a big fan of his. <laughs> yeah, you know with Spain out for this report here says three to four weeks. This offensive line's in trouble because after that you've got so you, you've got Dennis Kelly who's just too damn big to be a guard. You know Conklin's not much smaller than he is, and they moved Conklin inside to guard. That you know to try Kelly at tackle that didn't work out real well for us. There's just not a lot of depth there. You've got Tertola, you got Swanky, you've got Kelly. After that, who are our other guys back there? Is Meredith even still in the team? No, I didn't think so. So who who do we have that can fill in? This was a weak point for so long that now that we've kind of got the starters figured out, we just don't have any depth yet. And there's not much they can do about it this season except for maybe trade for somebody else. But you're going to get another Kelly type guy in there, so you might as well just play the guys who who are here. I just I'm really worried about the next few weeks as far as this offensive line holding up and doing their job as well. We may see some regression in our numbers. I agree with what you guys said, and I think you have to go with Schwinky or you have to go with Trey Tola, even though I don't think he's ready. Um, you know, obviously Schwinky being the front runner of this group because I don't want to see Kelly out there because you have to put him at tackle. He's just too big to play inside, as as Glenn mentioned, and we saw him get exposed when he was at tackle. Uh, in this last game, gave up a pretty big sack. It's 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 going to be hard. It's not going to be fun. Quentin Spain really stepped up this year and really cemented himself as a starter and was playing really good. Anytime that you lose a guy in the offensive line, it's big. You know, you're messing with not only the talent level but the confidence as a whole as a group. You know, the chemistry that you have across the offensive line. Uh, this is going to be a big problem. But Glenn, good news is for you is there could be another job opening that you could fill on the for the Tennessee Titans. I'm fat enough I could play some guard right now. I think our best bet's putting Trey Toll in and see what he can do. Yeah, uh, Swanky got blown up on that fumble. We know what we're going to get from him, and it's not going to be great. If it comes to putting him on the field, I would rather see him at center and move Ben Jones over to guard, and that just that would really screw up the chemistry. Yeah, really, there's really no right answer because we're just you're stuck in a really tough spot. There really is no right answer because anything that you do is going to leave you weak somewhere. And it it really sucks that we lost, especially because Spain was playing so well this year uh, in this unit that it really sucks to to end up losing a guy that was really taking a step up like that. And our offensive line was really 
a lot better than I think anybody thought they were going to be. Hey, for what it's worth, guys, I just took a trip over to TitansOnline.com, and actually, I, and probably because uh, Sebastian Tretola was inactive last week, uh, he's actually the backup at both guard positions, and Schwenke's the backup center according to this site. So maybe Sebastian will, you know, get his chance. I'm not against that. Get a young guy, get him in there, get him some reps. I just he's powerful, that's for sure. Low center of gravity, but he gets a little too aggressive and can get himself out of position. That's the only thing that's the big concern with Tritola, but I wouldn't be against starting him in favor, starting him over Swanky. Yeah, I'm all for I'd rather have a guy making mistakes at full speed than have a guy like Swanky in there who's, like Matt suggested, maybe he's not all the way back you know, from his injuries. He's never been able to stay healthy. I think that's really hurt his progression. You know, he, he was a fairly decent value as a center whenever we first drafted him. I wasn't a big fan of him even then. And he's just he's never had a chance to improve because he can't stay on the field enough to ever take that next step. I think it's time to just move on forward from him and let's bring on Tretola. Let's do this thing. I will say that Schwenke's leash is definitely shorter than it would be normally. I think he's going to the way he played last game, I, I'm, I'm really surprised that they kept him in when, when they did. He got blown up on a few occasions. Yeah, and blown up on the play that ended up losing us the game as well as Glenn mentioned. It's not fun. You know, hopefully Spain can come back. Hopefully it's that three weeks he's healthy or maybe hopefully even sooner, but we'll see what happens there. Moving on to the next question, Mallory Walsh sends this one in and she asks, what is the worst part for you? Out of the entire Colts loss, what was the the worst part for you to watch? Just the fact that we had the game in our grasp with very little time left to go. A lot of people blame Marcus for the fumble strip and Mathis running the back end. But honestly, man, the, the biggest thing that disappointed me was our defense. It was probably the worst defensive outing of the year could barely get any pressure all game long we gave we gave luck plenty of time luck was actually getting it out quicker than normal probably about three seconds he he was throwing it out there but we couldn't get pressure on him you know obviously cox went down with the injury you got bryce mccain as our guy like that's a recipe for disaster i don't know what we're gonna do (laughs) if we have to lean on him or even blake for that matter we have a serious issue at cornerback right now I, I think to answer the question is our defense is what let me down the most. Yeah, there was mistakes all around the board. Mariota's not an exception to that, but our defense definitely could have won the game for us, and it just didn't pan out. Yeah, our our defense is already so thin. You know, after you get past the starters, there's not a whole lot to look forward to with most of this team altogether. It's just we've been so bad for so long that you know that's definitely concerning. My biggest problem was special teams i'm just i'm so sick and tired of it you fired the coach nothing changes nothing gets any better maybe it wasn't the coach maybe it's effort on special teams maybe it's just field awareness for these guys i'm just so tired of special teams blowing it up for us you can just every week you know it's going to happen i know this is the obvious answer but the fumble at the end and because even then i was messaging matt while i was watching the game and I remember saying, you know, they scored that touchdown, and we were talking about how we used the timeouts well to get the ball back, have a lot of time left. And I was like, there's too much time on the clock. They left too much time on the clock. I think we have this. And then, you know, very first play of that drive, game's over effectively then. I know it's the really obvious answer, but man, was that incredibly disheartening. It wasn't just the deciding play in the game. You know, it's there was a ton of other things we could have done. Like you guys said, our special teams, you know, continues to play terribly. Our defense, not a lot, but a few very key injuries for us. You know, there was a turnovers. There was a lot more that we could have done to win this game, but in that spot, 
I felt like we were still going to win the football game. I, you know, the way that we performed late in games, I thought that we were going to see the exact same exact same thing we saw in Detroit in Week Two, and I still felt very confident because there was a lot of time left on the clock, and and it was just really disappointing to that drive just end before it really began. Yeah, and definitely mention the fact fucking uh phil supernaw who can't hold on to a ball to save his life that dude needs to go at the beginning of the season you guys were real down on supernaw even then and i defended him a little bit you know i definitely didn't he's definitely not my favorite player by no means but i defended him a little bit and i i definitely have to take that back because uh i mean that guy definitely does have to go it's been mistake after mistake after mistake i can remember one decent play he's had this year and i can remember five or six mistakes he's made just in the seven weeks that we've played yeah he's the opposite of clutch for a second there i thought you were gonna say he's the opposite of klug which i will also support that's pretty much the same difference isn't it i'll take that let's move on to the next question here though guys morocco taylor and he asked this we were just talking about this uh, if Parrish Cox is out next week, because we don't know he's in concussion protocol right now, but it, let's say he is out, who should start at cornerback two? <laughs> Man. Uh, who will start or who should start? Matt's going to say Riggs. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. Probably so. No, I, I don't know. Yeah, well, it, it's not Blake and it's not McCain. Who will start? McCain, I'm sure. I don't, uh, it sucks, man. I don't I don't know who I would rather have between him or Blake. I give the slight edge to McCain. I don't want either of them out there. Who would I rather have? Riggs, Sims. It doesn't even matter. Anybody but those guys. Experience, I guess, is the factor that, that gives them the spot. Uh, I really, really wish we would trade and get just a solid corner. I I can't take it. It's gonna get it's gonna get bad. Yeah, if our defense has already been kind of weak on the back end, it's about to become a just a bleeding chest wound. I guess it has to be McCain. Same reasons that Matt said. Yeah, at this point, I don't really care who you stick in there. Don't put in Blake. Anybody but Blake. I'm so tired of seeing him just miss tackles, just get blown away by a fake of a double move. You know, yeah. he, he he's the guy that you know the, the coach and water boy is going no he doesn't fake he thinks about faking and blake falls for it <laughs> did you see him stare stare off with ty hilton on that yeah. one pass <laughs> and you just, just look at him like what are you gonna do man shut up <laughs> first down i was just like jesus get him off the field yeah no he's absolutely terrible i mean Lashawn sims isn't a fast guy but he's got some man cover skills so i could see putting him in there put a mix of him and Riggs. You know, almost anything better than Blake. It's going to end up having to be McCain. He's the only guy who's proven to be not terrible. That's the best I can say for him. Well, that's to my point. I want to see Sims, well, Riggs really, but I'd like to see Sims over any of those guys because he hasn't he hasn't shown anything yet. But guess what, man? If if I feel the same way with McCain and Schwenke, if those guys get the start by default, let them play, whatever. But how many chances are they really going to get before we got to put somebody else in? That's what I think. I'll agree with what you guys said here. I think it's going to be McCain. I would like to see Sims. You know, I I know that Riggs has been your boy, but I I like LaShawn Sims. I like physical corners, but I don't think we're going to see it this week because you're likely going to have to go up against a guy that's got a lot of speed, and I don't know that Sims can keep up with that. McCain can match that kind of speed uh normally not in the right direction as we've all seen it, it's a problem man it's the same thing that we're what we were just saying with the offensive line is like there is no right answer because there's nobody else there like it would be nice if there was 
you know, next man up, there was someone that was just as good as Cox, but that's not going to happen. And, and it is a problem, man, because it's, if you added like a really good corner to this group, you know, then you push Cox to your nickel back, then this is a solid group. But without that, it is painful. Um, and I don't, there is no right answer. But if I was, I would like to see Sims get some time there. Let me just add, it's not even official yet. Like he's not considered out yet, is he? No. Okay, so there is a chance. Right, there is a chance. There is a chance that Cox will be in there, and that's a good thing, which is a bad thing. (laughs) Yeah, he's going through concussion protocol, so I'm sure later in the week we'll get more information on it. Know what to look for then. But if he is out, I think we're in trouble no matter who we start. Next question here, sent in by Devin Mills. Malarkey made some interesting comments at his press conference this week. And this brings up the question, guys. Do you think Malarkey has a realistic perspective of his team? For the most part, I'd say yes. I I agree with a lot of what he says and his philosophy as far as how he he takes on this team. For what he's probably asking about, I I actually heard a little bit of his press conference with, I believe it was PK, who was basically just being negative as always, asking if he thought we were a good team. And and Malarkey basically answered, yes, we are. Uh, He was a little annoyed, which is where this is probably coming from but he basically said for you know for 57 minutes we played a good game you know we had our mistakes obviously we're going to continue to grow which is basically where we are I mean what more can you say PK is basically beating the dead horse with just bringing out every any kind of negativity he can and I don't blame Malarkey for hell if I was Malarkey and, and I had to answer questions from that dick I'd probably be a little bit more rude or crude or however you want to put it but I support Malarkey I think he is doing the right things and yeah we're, we're getting better even with Robisky I think the play calling is every week has gotten a little bit better but yeah I, I don't know I support Malarkey and I think he's definitely got a decent percep- perception of where we are every time you guys call somebody trash or dick I'm just thinking you know we'd still kill to have them on the show well yeah <laughs> <laughs> anybody like, anybody but blake for real though. It, well I, i'd let blake come out here it'd be interesting talking to the guy trying to figure out what the hell's going on in his head out there but yeah um i think malarkey he has a very realistic understanding of what this team is and that's part of the reason why they went with the power run game like this you can slowly make improvements and you can win a few more games with this style of offense because you weren't going to be able to add enough pieces this offseason to come out here running and gunning. You just you couldn't do it as bad as this roster was. So his philosophy of coming out here with some smash mouths and ball control, it does a couple of things. It protects the offensive line. Uh, if you're running a spread or something like that, the offensive line has a block a whole lot better than uh, if you're running a power run game. It's a lot easier to be a run blocker than it is a pass blocker in this league because the defensive pass rushers are just so good. You know, So I think he had a very realistic understanding of what he had going on with his offensive line and had his skill sets on offense. And I think he, he took the right approach where you can't get too happy and you know they try getting too exotic like Matt has you know, said, you know, more smash mouth, less exotic. It's one of those things where he has a good understanding of what he's got on this roster. He's doing what he has to do to be competitive with them. And for the most part, it's it's shown up and it's worked. You know, we were at 500 and we lost this game on just a couple of crap plays. And that's what's going to happen until the team gets good enough to just beat people outright. And the defense, it's such a shallow depth pool there like we've already been talking about. You have to protect those guys by running the ball and keeping the other team off the field. Because if you get these guys tired, there's no one behind them to play. And then our defense wears down like we're trying to do to the other teams. He has a real good understanding of what he's trying to do with this team and why you can't expect great things year one. He took the right approach, I think, in building this this team and just trying to set them up for what they can do this year. 
and be successful at it so he can get to you know be the coach next year and when you have that approach and everybody wants more all the time you're gonna get this dumb same questions week after week and I completely understand why he's frustrated with it. I agree for the most part with what you guys said. Uh, there was one comment that sticks out to me that Malarkey said in this press conference that I don't think is a realistic perspective, and I don't think he's being 100% honest with himself. He made a comment about us being able to slow down elite receivers, which I think everybody's been able to stop Hopkins. So it's not just us. That's obviously a flaw in their offense. T.Y. Hilton, the biggest thing that slowed T.Y. Hilton down, who still had a monster game, was drop passes. The Colts had a lot of drop passes in this game, and that was a huge part, and why it was still pretty close was... You know, the best thing that happened to us in the past defense was them dropping pass after pass after pass when they had, um, you know, wide open looks against us. And that's one thing. He made a comment about us being able to stop these uh, really good wide receivers, or slow down really good wide receivers. And, and this isn't the first week where drops played a huge part in it. You know, that's kind of getting lucky. That's not able to stop guys. And T.Y. Hilton still had a big game against us. And Doyle had a huge game against us. Uh, obviously not a wide receiver, but still another pass catcher. To that comment, I was like, I, don't, I didn't think that that was really being realistic from what we saw in this game, what we've seen in games prior. You know, the only guy that we've really been able to stop, like elite wide receiver, or close to that range is Hopkins. And so is everybody else that's played. Uh, the Texans this year and you know ask anybody that has Nuke on their fantasy team and they'll tell you the exact same thing so I didn't think that was realistic but everything else that he said in this press conference and really has said this year leads me to believe that he really understands his football team and he really does understand where they're at he's not overplaying it or undervaluing this team I think he's he knows exactly what he has, for the most part. That one comment just rubbed me the wrong way. One of those things is this team, this whole year, we've had we've seen a lot of teams drop a lot of balls against us. Is that something that we're doing, or are we just you know lucky that way? Must be a really good shouter on the defense to distract them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know, man. I, it's hard to say. I don't think everyone's had success with Hopkins. He's he's had his struggles for sure. As far as the other elite receivers go, I mean, we haven't exactly been burned as far as like Ty probably made us look the worst out of anybody all year. But that goes as, as the defense as a whole. Definitely our worst performance all year long, for sure. And that starts up front. I mean, the front line is going to help the secondary or hurt the secondary. That's just how we're built. As far as, like, Glenn made a great point about Malarkey when Ryan agreed. Malarkey knows what we have. And, and what more can you ask for from a guy? I mean, what coach could you bring in that's going to outperform what Malarkey has done? Like, he knows where we are. And you got realistic fans and you got these fans who win now or nothing which is not realistic. We need to know where we are and how we can grow, and we're getting there. It's just a matter of, one, we don't have the depth for sure. We've already discussed that. But he's not in denial either. He knows what we have and how we're supposed to be using our guys. Some of the guys that we have, for instance, our linebackers who can't cover shit, that's probably going to be addressed this next offseason, whether it's through the draft or free agency. But, I mean, they all have – these are football guys that know what they're doing. They're not just, you know, Ken Wesenhunt doing it his way or no way. Malarkey sees what he has and he's adapting to what you know what we need to do and I think him and Robinson are both on the same page that brings up an interesting point that I want to talk about real quick before we move into the news there's a a lot of guys on this team that are not going to be with this team in the next couple of years you know that's definitely part of the rebuilding process is getting better players in so this is for a lot of guys you know there's very few guys you can say like are safe they're you know most likely very little percentage of chance that they're going anywhere like Mariota Walker, Murray, those kind of guys that probably aren't going anywhere. But a lot of the team, 
uh, is kind of on that bubble for the next few years, especially this first offseason after having a first season under the belt between a new general manager and a new head coach. So a lot of pressure for these guys to step up now and really play. We've seen a few guys do it. You know, Carl Klug, who's become the patron saint of Two-Tone Uncensored, is a guy that just all heart. You know, he's a fan favorite, and he and he really plays his heart out. And a guy that you you know you really want to see stay. And, and then you also have guys like Kane and Blake who have just really, really been terrible. So you know, in this season, it's obviously really important for these guys to perform. Is there anybody that stands out to you outside of the guys that I mentioned that is really performing or really underperforming? That you know they're really kicking themselves off the team or, or signing a you know a new contract with this team absolutely taylor lewan earning it conklin earning it depending on what happens with spain i think he's been playing really well the whole basically ben jones has earned every penny he's gotten since he's been here locker room and on the field so i mean there's a lot of guys and i think rashad johnson's probably played his last year here i don't think he's going to get re-signed i think byard will overpass him if he hasn't already. I'm not sure. Cersei's kind of in the middle, in my opinion. I don't know how you guys view him, but he's he's hit or miss with me. I'm not real. He, I don't know. I think, I think he's had his share of good games and his share of bad games. So he's still up in the air for me. But I think there's a lot of guys that are on that bubble, like you said. But our O-line, Warmack's gone for sure. I mean, the second he went on the IR, that was the last time we were going to see him. I knew that, you know that day but there are a lot of bubble players but i think you know lawan and conklin are the two that really stand out to me i think uh rackpo is going to retire here there's there's a lot to see i don't think i don't think woodyard will be back i don't know if williamson will be back i know that we really need to figure out what's going on with him in the coverage scheme whether it's replace him or just really don't even know he's more of a four three guy in my opinion but we definitely got to figure something out with him that's what i've been saying about williamson the whole time is that he he's not a, a three four linebacker there's too many responsibilities for those three, four linebackers that he just doesn't do. You definitely want someone more explosive, and like I said earlier, you know, more instinctual back there. I, I think he's just in the wrong system. He's going to be another one of those guys. If he ends up leaving us and going somewhere else, he's going to go somewhere else and do really well for himself because he can play. He's a good player. It's just this isn't the right fit for him. He's being asked to do more than he is really capable of getting done out there. It's one of those things where you know a lot of guys get drafted to the teams and wash out and never really get a shot because they were drafted by a team that put them in a situation that they weren't right for. It's just a team was drafting talent, and that's how you know the Titans ended up being so bad is we kept drafting talented players but not guys who had a specific skill set that we needed or guys that had really – proven in college they could really do it we just kept you know drafting combine warriors combine warriors who haven't shown it on film that they can get it done and so that, that's a lot of these guys that we got rid of this year that was their problem you know there was talk preseason that robinson's already washed away almost all the second round picks from webster's era so he's obviously getting rid of those guys who have ability but not the skill set that we need or not the mindset to succeed at this level and you're going to see that can continue to happen. Like Ryan said, that the rebuilding process, you start washing away the old. And if you're not finding a way to be successful and contribute to us winning, they will just get rid of you. Uh, I think for that reason, you know, Woodyard, he's the guy I was kind of pointing to that I can't see him coming back. Just he, He's a decent linebacker. I don't see him coming back. Williamson, I think they hang on to for a while because he does have some ability. And until you get somebody you know in here to prove it, you wouldn't get rid of the young guy that could do it. But what would you you could move on and for a uh, 
a younger, more explosive player. Real quick, you brought up Cersei. I don't think Cersei's that bad. I, the thing with him, though, is you have Stafford, who's cheaper, younger, and playing better, in my opinion, right there. So it, that really puts a lot of pressure on you if you're the older, more expensive guy. And the guy below you is outplaying you, you know, your time's limited. And no matter where you're at in the league, and I think that's going to be the reason that we don't see Cersei for very long because we've really seen Stafford, especially this year, step up and play a lot better. And, you know, he's just cheaper and younger. Yeah, I find that's a funny point because when he came in replacing Pollard, there was like, he, he's, he's younger, he's more explosive, he's got more, you know, top end. And then he just, he never really took that next step with us. It's a shame that Pollard had to go through those years with Wizenhunt. I mean, if he, if the timing was different, I was a huge Pollard fan. And I know he couldn't, you know, he was more of a, a hitter than anything else. But I mean, that's, that's how I viewed Stafford for a while. It's like that, that same type of player. But I mean, the way he went out went from loving him to hating him. I mean, he basically was like, I'd rather retire than play for you guys, which is the biggest slap in the face. But it sucks that, you know, we didn't get this transition sooner with, with John Robinson and whoever it would be, Malarkey, whoever. It sucks that it didn't happen a few years prior so we could get this ball rolling with, with what we had at the time. I was never a Pollard fan. He missed too many tackles. He missed too many plays. You'd get one big play and three bad plays with him. He'd come diving in to lay the lumber on somebody. They'd take a half step to the side. He whiffs. He would turn his back to people and launch himself at them to try to tackle them instead of wrapping them up and making good tackles. He drove me nuts. Well, that's also the reason he's not in the league anymore also. <laughs> exactly. I didn't want him on my team for the same reason. All right, guys, let's move on now from the mailbag into the news. And thanks, everybody, who submitted a question this week. But for the news, I'm going to send it over to Glenn Lotzenheiser to take us through. Really, the only news we have this early in the week is just the injury status. Like we've said, Cox is in the concussion protocol. We don't know if he'll be available this weekend. That leaves a big hole in the secondary because we just don't have anybody else back there worthy of playing in the second spot. Spain's definitely out for three to four weeks. That's a huge problem on the offensive line for the same reason. It's just real thin back behind him. Tajay Sharp, his knee has him listed as uh, not participating today. Really probably not a big deal. I expect him to be back. Uh, Delaney Walker, bruised ribs. He'll be back. I can't see Delaney Walker not playing if he have four broken ribs. He's, that guy wants to be on the field and play hard every game. Rashad Johnson's listed as questionable, and Kevin Dottles is as questionable. Yeah, I think obviously the biggest two injuries are on the O-line and the secondary, which is basically where we seem to always have our troubles. I really, really hope Cox can get back on. It, it's uh, The timing is awful because he was just starting to get into his, his stride of being a decent cornerback in this league, and, and we definitely need him. We do not have an answer if, if he's out. It sucks that we even have to rely on McCain as the third cornerback, let alone the second, and I really don't want to see that. Oh, I agree, absolutely. I think every Titans fan would agree with you there. That's really the only news I've got at this point. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to dive right into this Colts game and then give you a look ahead of what to expect for this Thursday night matchup with the Jaguars. So we'll be right back. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads and we'll get right back to the show. Hey, this is Ryan and Rich from the Free Parking Show. Our show is a sports podcast hosted by four sports journalists and features shows like Beers and Cheers, Par for Discourse, and our NFL preview, the 32-team parking garage. Check us out on Stitcher, Spreaker, and our website, www.freeparking.com. 
Hey Titans fans, you've probably heard us talk about the group page several times on this show, and I'm sure you're wondering what we're talking about. Tennessee Titans Uncensored is a Facebook group page that was built by Titans fans for Titans fans and was founded by our very own Matt Necrone. If you're a Titans fan that's looking to talk about the latest Titan news, then this is where you need to be. And you can help me shit talk to crackheads. Because nobody likes crackheads. That is Tennessee Titans Uncensored on Facebook. Tighten up. Hey, Titans fans, do you ever find yourself wondering what the hell's going on with Rubisky's play calling while you're watching the game? Do you wonder why a record didn't get six sacks Have you ever wondered why our defense can shut down a star wide receiver but constantly gets burned down the middle by a backup tight end? If this sounds like you, then you need to know your enemy. Each week, Glenn Lossneiser from the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast posts a write-up about this week's upcoming game. Glenn tells you which players have the favorable matchups each week and what schemes the Titans need to use in order to succeed. It comes out Wednesday-ish each week, sometimes Thursday morning. It's on our twotoneuncensored.podbean.com page and links from the Two Tone Uncensored Facebook page as soon as it's posted. It's a real quick read and he even has pictures for the kids. For the kids! You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scaife. You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored. Tighten up. All right, everybody. Welcome back. We're going to get into the game. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about what we saw this week. And we're going to start off with our best and worst. Give me your three best players or units and your three worst. Uh, I'll start off with my three best here. I think Delaney Walker has to be on everybody's list. He had a, a great week this week, a really good matchup. And plus, he's on my fantasy team, so that was a double whammy for me. I uh, had a really good game, and he's just a guy that just comes out and produces time after time. And I mean, you can set your clock to this guy. He's that consistent, always having good games. And then for me, the other one I think's obvious is DeMarco Murray. I really like the way that he played, and he's been doing it again like week in and week out. I really like to see that kind of uh, production of a running back, especially after what we witnessed last year. And the last one for me is actually going to go to Jack Conklin. And I know this isn't the sexy pick, but as we talked about earlier, they moved him around inside the guard, back out to tackle in this game. He moved around a decent amount, still performed really well. And he, the, keep in mind, I know we've seen him succeed. He's been having a great season, but this guy's a rookie. You know, he was not the pick everybody expected, and surely not the pick that me and Glenn expected, as we've said on the show many times, and man, has he just really performed well, and in this game, they asked him to do more than what he expected to do when the game started, and he jumped into that role perfect, still has not given up a sack this season, played a fantastic game, so he would be my, my third best on this, and those aren't in order, just in general, Walker, Murray, and then Conklin for me. To put mine in order, you got to start off with Taylor Lewan, obviously getting that touchdown, his first career touchdown. Big man didn't have a lot of speed, but he got it done. So as far as a pass catcher, <laughs> didn't expect it for sure, but he, he definitely got it done. The second would have to be DeMarco Murray. He obviously carries this team week in and week out. 
for the same reasons Ryan just said. And third, for the same reasons Ryan said also, Delaney Walker uh, led the team in catches this week and is obviously a huge contributor to our offense week in, week out. Yeah, we obviously all agree, Walker, Murray, and then we have a different guy for that last person. Uh, for me, it was Rashard Matthews, not because of his stat line. He was just four for uh, 37. He got demoted. They put Andre Johnson there instead of him. And this game, it looked like he was really fighting for the ball, fighting for yards. It, it wasn't about how well he played. It was how well he's responded to being challenged by the coaching staff. He looked like a better receiver this game than he has for most of this season. And so I, I put him on my list for guys that gave me a positive feeling. Great point, man. Yeah, also, I didn't say this. Uh, that one on that third and long he had, that second effort to get the first down. On the TTU page, we have a game thread that we go through. Uh, everybody pretty much comments on the same thread, so we're not all over the place. I said at the time, play of the game when he made that second effort. If he makes that deep ball catch that he just missed on, Mariota just missed him on, he'd easily be you know game MVP. Well, assuming a lot of things would have been different if he made that catch, but potentially could have been game MVP. So definitely a good shout-out for him. That was one thing I was going to bring up, and he almost – made my list just because of that play where, you know, he gets hit like four yards from the first down on third and 19, breaks the tackle, fights, and dies to get there for the first down. Just a, that's a 100% heart play. He gets my Carl Klug award of the week for this week. He, that was a really <laughs> hell of a play. It sure beats yeah. the Valentino Blake award. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Real quick, some uh, late breaking news: Arian Foster has announced his retirement. I just saw that. Yeah, I yeah. didn't think it, I didn't think it was newsworthy because he's been a bum all year long. But oh, come on now, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's actually announced his retirement, so that's the important bit of it. It just, yeah. you know, I just thought I'd throw that out there because it just did pop up. He was going to care. Yeah, I mean, he was exceptional at one point in his career, but he just couldn't stay healthy, and then ultimately, that's what did him in. Yep. As far as division foes go, he's a guy that I've always kind of liked. And even though he was a Texan for most of his career, his body just broke down, man. It happens. But um, I always did like him, even though he was such a good player and he definitely had his way with Tennessee a few times. Uh, he's a pretty stand-up dude. I blame being a vegetarian for too long. Bacon! <laughs> it's all about the bacon and the lack thereof. All right, anyway, so uh, let's talk about your worst spots of this game. This should probably be a uh, more interesting conversation, I think. For me, it's going to start with... The, the linebackers, as, as a unit, you know, the inside linebackers, let me specify that. Andrew Luck, I think everybody's seen this now. The stat's been flying around Facebook and all over the Internet. Luck went 9-for-9 nine nine and two touchdowns when going after our linebackers this week. Just a terrible effort, and it was just it was awful. I mean, there's nothing else you can say about it. That was a huge part in why we lost that game. And that is in order for me. They that's They're number one for me this week. Uh, special teams, I don't see how you can watch this game and not put special teams on your list and it's just a consistent issue with us you know obviously we've already fired a coordinator this year and i don't know what else you can do you definitely need to be put a lot better effort in special teams and it has a lot to do with our depth you know normally a lot of guys that are in that backup role end up on special teams and that lack of depth means you have a shitty special teams unit and that's what's happening to us uh, but also, you know, the missed extra point, there, there's a lot of things in this game that really went wrong for us on special teams. You know, super not being able to to catch anything that comes around. I'm just constantly making special teams mistakes. Like, take his ass off special teams. But that was a huge issue for us. The last one for me is not going to be the pressure that we brought, but it's going to be more on the coaching end for the pass rush. 
not the pass rush itself because they were dropping back six, seven guys every single time. They were uh, on purpose, you know, they were trying to nullify the pass rush, which they ended up doing for the most part in this game. We needed to come up with something different. We needed to come up with delayed blitz, something. You know, there's a reason I'm not the defensive coordinator. We needed to come up with something, and we just didn't. And I, and I love Dick LeBeau, and I have nothing to ever really say bad about him, but we needed to come up with something to, to try to figure out a way to get pressure because we weren't going to win the game if we didn't, and we really failed that way. And I don't really blame our pass rushers. It's hard to get pressure if you rush five and they drop back seven. I mean, you're not you're not going to get to the quarterback very often under those circumstances. So, really, I think we just really need to figure out something. Delayed blitzes, you know, something more uh, complex, maybe something to to draw them off on one side and blitz on the other side. Whatever, something needed to happen, and it and it didn't. Yeah, I won't harp on some of the same things. One thing I will say, as far as special teams goes, that we didn't mention, man, suck up on on the last special teams play of the game with our onside kick. It was actually a really good onside kick, but our guys weren't even close to getting the ball. I mean, it bounced. It ended up going out of bounds. If our guys get you know ten ten yards up the field, we got a chance to make a play, but we're out of position again. So I mean, same things Ryan said: special teams, the linebackers, the coverage. Bryce McCain's definitely name worthy to throw out there as far as disappointments. But I mean, it's the same story. I think that, and I will note that also, even though Arakpo has been so solid this game. One of the biggest things I noticed when we weren't getting pressure is Anthony Costanzo or Costanzo, he pretty much owned him all day long. I mean, Arakpo could not get around him. That's actually one of the things I called out in Know Your Enemy article this week was that the pressure was going to have to come from the other side of the field because, like it or not, the left side of the Colts line is actually pretty good. And the biggest thing that lets Arakpo and Casey get loose on people is they do lots of stunting over there. If your left guard is really good, and you can't stunt on him to beat him, then you can nullify a lot of that pass rush. And as many guys as they were holding back, there was going to be somebody there at the second level anyway. But when you can't stunt across the left tackle and left guard, that, that denies a lot of what the Titans like to do in their pass rush. So it was going to be on Morgan and Jones to get the job done. And Morgan got one and a half sacks, but it just it wasn't enough. Uh, I had pretty much the same things. I had you know special teams. Like like Matt said, that kick was perfect. It's everything you could ever want in a onside kick, and we couldn't get anybody ten yards up the field. That that was just awful. Uh, that that was it, it's got to be just lack of effort at that point. To me, the uh, pass rush scheme, like Ryan said, you know that that bugged me. My thing is, is we don't have a fast pass rush. We have a strong pass rush. We just don't have enough speed in our rush to beat a lot of these guys. If you're playing a bull rush, power rush uh, scheme, and you don't have enough speed to just beat people one-on-one, dropping extra guys back is all you really got to do to stop that. Uh, You just have to have a quarterback as good as Andrew Luck who can just, he has that instinctual feel of, I'm going to step half a step over here, negate the entire side of that rush, and I'm still going to hit my guy. Uh, It's just, we ran into the best quarterback we've seen this year, a very good plan to negate what we do in our pass rush, and we got eaten up for it. And that, that was my worst parts there was the pass rush, the secondary getting exposed because the pass rush couldn't get there, and then just special teams play was awful. Two things I want to add on here real quick is go back and watch that one side kick, and you can clearly see it's a lack of effort. There's, and I didn't 
think to go back and look and pick out names, but there's two guys that barely fucking move off the line. It was just a lack of effort. And the other thing is, I've seen a lot of Titans fans uh, say this week about how we should have won because we took on a mediocre quarterback or... And I don't care what his stats say. Andrew Luck is a hell of a lot better than mediocre. So we need to, like, fans need to realize this guy's good. And this guy's damn good. There's a reason why he's getting paid as much as he is. He's not a mediocre quarterback. No, not by any means. Anybody who calls Andrew Luck mediocre doesn't know what the hell they're looking at. Or else they just hate the Colts because they're in our same division. Which I'm fine with. Just don't say incredibly stupid things and expect everybody to jump on board with you. These are the same crackheads that were calling for Castle. And you know, think Derrick Henry should start. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, let's let's address that real quick about not using Derrick Henry in the offense as much as uh, some would like. You cannot put. I mean, yeah, you should use him here and there and and make him a part of the plan. But when Demarco Murray is running this offense and and killing it, why would you ever want to take him out when you don't need to? It makes zero sense. I can't argue that. Uh, I would like to see Henry in there more when it looks like Murray's needing a rest. But I think at this point, the coaches have told Murray, you tell us when you need out of the game. Uh, there were a few times earlier in the season where they yanked Murray. He'd have a great run and they'd yank him. And you could just see him walking to the sidelines like he was going to go beat somebody's ass. Yeah, I, I think the coaches have figured out this guy needs to be on the field. He'll let us know when he needs a breather. That's when Henry gets a chance to play. And as good as he's been playing, he's earned that right. You know, he's fantastic. He's been the best part of our team uh, probably this season so far, and he's earned that right. And I I just can't see – I like Derrick Henry. I think he has a lot of promise, and I like to see him out on the field. But I just don't know how you can feel comfortable cutting uh, touches by your most productive player. You know, just taking your most productive player out of the game more. I, I just don't see how you're coming up with that idea. Yeah, Henry's time will come, and that very well could be this season as well. So, I mean, there's no reason to rush him on and put mileage on his on his legs when it's not needed right now. Especially after all the mileage that he accumulated in that last season at Alabama. Yeah, it's just like how the Cowboys used DeMarco. He got a year off, basically, in Philly, and look how well he's doing now. <laughs> exactly. Relax, people. Henry will get his chance. He is the future of our running back position. Future, not present. Just It's going to be okay. Let's go ahead and move on to our next part of this. The blame game. You know, when you lose, you got to blame somebody, right? So, kind of what we just did. Let's assign percentages for you know, out of a hundred percent, you know, fifty percent of this, thirty percent that. Let's assign percentages for ownership of how we lost this game. Um, for me, this is going to be, in my opinion, seventy percent uh, defense. I know that's a giant chunk, but I think they deserve it. This was a very uninspiring performance. As we said, the pass rush didn't work. The secondary was terrible. You know, our best defensive player was the ghost out there knocking all the balls out of these Colts' hands. You know, they were the, they were our biggest, our defensive MVP was T.Y. Hilton dropping all those passes. We didn't do anything well on defense this week. I, there's nothing that you can point out that was impressive, and a lot of it has to do with them. And you look at what we scored, the amount of points we put up, that would beat, like, I think, almost every team that we've played this year. We're not going to be able to run the score up like that uh, a lot because of the kind of team we are. When you give up 34 points, you know, we're not going to win a lot of those games. Uh, So a lot of the credit goes to them. Then I'm going to say 20% uh, goes to uh, the offense and Marcus Mariota and the turnovers. Obviously a lot harder to win football games when you're turning the ball over. Although I do not blame him for the fumble at the end of the game. His eyes were downfield where they should have been. You know, offensive line, 
uh, especially one offensive lineman that we, as we've talked about earlier just blew his assignment gets destroyed through there and Marcus didn't even you know he's looking downfield that's not his fault but the offense you know it sputtered at times wasn't impressive and the turnovers were big and then the last 10 percent for me is going to be a special teams because I know they played a big factor in this game but we shouldn't have been in that position where we needed an onside kick we making that extra point attempt wouldn't have won us the game so even though we did have mishaps you can't put that much blame on them in my eyes just because they're not on the field that much they don't have that much say in a ball game so definitely the defense gets the huge chunk offense smaller chunk and special teams right thereafter i'm gonna go ahead and say 60 percent to the defense ryan just touched on a lot of the reasons why i mean we've already talked about it before i'd probably go higher if it weren't for the special teams playing such a major role so i'll go 30 percent to the defense and as ryan said 10 percent will go to mariota and the offense more or less mariota and the offensive line um you know everybody's calling for for marcus's head and this and that it's not that serious you know we we always say he's obviously progressing he's going to learn this and that at the same time he's not above getting criticized either you know you got to hold on to the ball there was times in the game where he was making inaccurate passes he wasn't you know and, and it all stems from one thing to the next but whenever he feels like he has to take the game over is when he makes his mistakes whether he grows into that role and I'm hoping he does in time we'll see but as of right now, he's not that quarterback, and I don't expect him to be. And I'm not I'm not being too hard on him, but at the same time, he he is making mistakes. And for what they're worth, you know, he's got to take responsibility for him. You know, I can't blame the defense as much as you guys are because I kind of expected them to play like that. You know, they're, they're taking on one of the best quarterbacks in the league. The like I said earlier, the scheme to stop our pass rush, it's been proven, it's been done before. I don't know why it took the Colts to get around to doing it. Maybe it's just because they finally have – maybe they're the first team that has a quarterback who's capable of taking advantage of it. I, I expected our defense to struggle in this game. Upset me the most about our defense was all those tip balls that it hit a Colts receiver in the hands, bounced off of him, hit one of our guys, and went to the ground. If they just pick off one of those balls, one of those tip balls, everybody just tip drills from the time you're a kid. Somebody's got to pay attention to the ball and catch one of those. So that was – I gave the defense only 20% because of those tip balls more than anything else. I, I knew our linebackers were bad in the preseason. I didn't expect them to play better. You know That's why we were calling for Doyle to have a big game. We knew T.Y. Hilton was going to blow it up. I'm just amazed that he you know, helped us out and dropped as many balls as he did. I'm going to give Marcus 30%. The interception that he threw that you know got called back because of a roughing the passer penalty, that was still a terrible ball. He had no business throwing that. So I didn't, I didn't like that. It it hurt my confidence in him when he threw that pass, not long-term, but just in that game. And the, that fumble, yeah, you, you're not going to know that you know, Swanky's going to get blown up and the ball's going to get Superman punched out of your hands. But at the same time, you know your offensive line is crap at this point because Spain's down and you're having to switch things up, try to find somebody in there. And in a clutch situation like that, you, you've got to be aware that that's where you have to not be is behind Swanky. You, just, you, you can't be standing behind him. You're going to have to move that pocket a little bit, and part of that's you know the offensive play calling. You just you've got to roll roll away from your weak spots in your line, which is hard to do when it's right in the middle of the field. I'm giving half of it to special teams though. Uh, that pure lack of effort on uh, that perfect onside kick, and no one really tried to get to the ball. That's the one thing I can't excuse. You know, when Mariota makes mistakes, it's because he's trying really hard. I believe our defense is trying for the most part. They're just they're not as good as they needed to be. Special teams effort makes me sick sometimes. Just the the stupid 
I'm not paying attention. I don't know where I'm supposed to be because it's special teams. Who cares? You know, the, the extra point, not so much that that's going to happen once in a while. Just like you know, a quarterback, you know, fumbling a, a snap. Every now and then, you're going to mishandle a snap. That doesn't hurt me so much. But the the lack of effort on our onside's kick, and then the onside's loss. I heard Malarkey telling the uh, press group today that they knew that was coming. They knew they were going to do that, and they were calling to the guys on the field from the sideline, and we still lost that. that so I, I gave them 50%. I'll agree with you a little bit um, with Marcus. It just He did sail a lot of passes early in that game, uh, even you know not just the turnovers, but, I mean, he threw a lot of passes that if they were – you know, a couple yards lower, a couple feet lower, would have been an easy catch, and he sailed. And we've seen him do this in the past, and it is a thing of effort. He's really trying. It's it just needs to calm down and get let the game come to him more. Uh, man, I, the defense. I know that I expected the pass rush to be nullified a little bit, but I did not expect us to just get burnt like we did a lot of times. And it would have been a lot worse if it wasn't for. The Colts dropping a lot of passes, and the Colts helped us out a lot with penalties, especially later in that game. It wouldn't have been a close game at all if the Colts hadn't caused so many penalties and you know caught the passes that were thrown to them. Yeah, when you talk about Marcus uh, throwing the ball a little high, the one play that stood out to me when you just said that was uh, the third down to Rashard Matthews where he easily would have got the first down. It was only like a third, I forget what it was, third and three, third and four, third and five, whatever. He sailed about two feet above his head and he couldn't, he, well, after he was jumping, it was about two feet over, over his head. But I mean, and that's a crucial play because when we're driving down the field and we get stalled out because of a stupid uh, mental mistake like that, I mean, that's that's huge. Yeah, and his calling card being one of accuracy on deep balls, I still give him a pass because he was never a really accurate deep ball thrower in college, but he's supposed to be a really accurate quarterback. And you can tell that he gets a little worked up. He gets a little nervous sometimes for as cool and calm as he seems to be. His arm tells you a little bit more about where he's at emotionally during the game. And Matt, you pointed out the exact play that I was thinking of. That's exactly what I thought of when I was thinking about this. I saw more than, than that play, of course, but that was the one that definitely comes to mind. Yeah, so so let's talk about uh, situational football, particularly the two-minute drill, the last few minutes of the game. That seems to be where this team makes its mistakes. We mentioned a little bit earlier that part of that is people pressing too hard, people trying to make big plays and win the game on their own. Uh, that just It seems to be that this is not a clutch team right now. Is there anything that you think the coaches could do to improve that this season? Well, obviously, it starts in practice. It starts being prepared. And I think that in a lot of these scenarios um, that we had this week was, in this, especially in those last two minutes, where you know you have injuries where guys that, aren't, that should not be on the field end up on the field because of these injuries. That hurt us a lot, obviously. The, the huge fumble was caused by that. You know, Quentin Spain's healthy. You know, we might end up winning this game. Uh, you know, if, if Cox doesn't go out, we might end up winning this game. That Those definitely hurt us big time. And that's something you really can't prepare for because you never know when it's going to happen and who it's going to be. But the one thing is like just preparation and really just hustle, just effort and hustle. And we've talked about it a lot on this show. You know, it's getting redundant at this point, but there's not a lot of hustle in our special teams at all. I, I think our defense hustle-wise did all right. They just didn't couldn't outplay a really good... Uh, game plan and um, 
And on offense, I, I'd like to see a little bit more hustle in certain situations. Sometimes it seemed like it seems like our wide receivers give up on routes at times, and I, I hate to see it. And it happens every now and again. I just want to see more hustle in general. That's how you win games late is hustle. And I, I'm kind of seeing it from our offense. I'm not seeing it at all from our special teams. I think our defense normally does a good job of hustling, but that's a big thing. And and just mental errors, just trying to calm down. And this is obviously geared more towards Marcus. Just calm down, let the game come to you, and you know, really just be aware. Keep the game in front of you. Yeah, uh, I think Ryan said it all for us. Um, you know, it's it comes down to effort in those situations. You know, too much effort, not enough effort. Just it's, it's going to take a while for clutch to happen for us. That, that's something that you see as teams develop and teams become more veteran. Uh, so let, let's take a look at something else here. Uh, another big theme of this game that we've already talked about is our pass rush woes against the Colts. Uh, the Colts can't handle a speed rush. Uh, they, their whole scheme there that we played against this week was built to handle the kind of blitzing, the kind of rush that we have, which is a power rush. Uh, we don't have a lot of nest guys back there. There is definitely not a Javon curse on this squad. Uh, there's there's nobody on our pass rush that you look at and think this guy's a physical mismatch every time he steps on the field. Arakpo is a great pass rusher. Casey's a great pass rusher. It's more about effort and technique with those guys than it is just raw freakish ability. Casey's a great athlete, but he's also coming off a defensive end spot. He's not that edge guy who just blows teams up and makes them roll coverage his way. So when, when you look at this, would, when you see a situation like this where they're loading up the pass protection to stop us from getting there would you like to see them do some more you know corner blitzing something that brings some speed off the edge because we don't have it in our linebackers is there is there something that you would like them to see that would get you with there a, a faster and make it more problematic for the Colts to protect Andrew Luck or is the idea of sending one of our already not very good uh, defensive backs in there and depleting our secondary a little bit more against a guy like Andrew Luck, just too scary to make it worth the effort. It's definitely scary. Um, you know, Andrew Luck will eat you up um, if he gets the time to read that. But you have to do something, man. We have to run delays. We have to have to get corner blitzes, get the safeties involved. We have to do something when it's just not working like that. Because you can't just let our Andrew Luck have five seconds in the pocket uh, against our secondary because we're just not going to be able to stop him. You know, especially with a quarterback that talented, we're not going to be able to stop him. But it is scary because Andrew Luck is a very good quarterback, and he's a smart guy. And, you know, he sees that blitz, and he knows where it's coming from. He knows which wide receiver is going unguarded or has a good favorable matchup. So it is scary. Something you can definitely dial up on longer plays where it'll take it longer to read. You know, on short plays, which, you know, they threw a lot of short passes in this game. Uh, you know, short passes, that'll eat you up alive. And so it's hard to to know exactly when to dial that up. But I think, yeah, I think you, we should try to, you know, make it a play that we use maybe twice a game or three times a game. No more than that, though, because you don't want to show your hand too much and you don't want to get burnt. But if you do it once, twice a game, I think it could be a difference maker. And against Andrew Luck, it's scary for sure, but as the talent level goes down at quarterback, it becomes far less scary because they're just not as good at reading. Yeah, definitely. The only thing I saw other than possibly bringing someone off the edge, and like you said, it's a gamble against a guy like Andrew Luck. He's just, he really is that good whether people want to admit it or not. You know, I thought this would have been a good situation for Aaron Walls to get some more snaps. 
he, he brings real speed to our linebacker group. He's, he's a guy who can has a sort of a natural feel for a pass rush. He's not a great linebacker yet. He's got a lot of work to do before he's a guy that you start on a regular basis. But he's a guy I think that you could have brought in in pass rush situations that could have really helped this unit. Just uh, one fast guy to go in there and skip around through all these big bodies uh, that, that are just you know the bulls up front. I, I think that he could have had a chance to have made an impact in this game. I don't know how many plays you could actually have played him for. Maybe, you know, just like you said with the cornerback blitzing, you bring him in maybe 10 times and, you know, just blitz him. Change the pace a little bit. No, I agree. I agree that you have to be able to change the pace a little bit and keep him guessing and get that pressure. We've got to be able to get that pressure there. Uh, the thing that helps us out a lot moving forward is, you know, we don't play another team that has that caliber on the left side of the offensive line. Um, you know, there's not a lot of them. We're going to face a lot of teams that struggle on that side of the offensive line, uh, and which will help us out, obviously, because that's where our dominant pass rush comes from with, with Arakba, with Casey. Um, and any team, if they still drop down a lot of people, if you're not good on that side of the line, Arakpo and Casey are still coming through. Like, you better believe that. But that that's hurt us a lot, and you brought that point up earlier, and it's a good point to make because even if you drop back seven, you know, if you have a guard and a left tackle, not good players, Arakbo and Casey will expose them. Absolutely, yeah. Those those guys are too good at what they do to, for a mediocre player to stand up against them the whole game long. And that's pretty much what happened. Is they they ran into the two best players on the Colts line, and they did their job well. They, they dropped a whole bunch of people back. Those two guys held their own, and it showed. It gave Andrew Luck enough time to get things done. And speaking of Andrew Luck, you know, big-time players make big-time plays, supposedly in big-time games. This doesn't qualify as a big-time game, so we're just going to go with the first two parts of that. Uh, you know, key players on the offenses on both sides produced. Walker and Murray for the Titans. Hilton, Doyle, Luck. You know, all the guys we highlighted and said would have big games, they did. I didn't include Mariota on this at this point because he is still developing. He had that bad-looking interception. Uh, on a pass that he should never have thrown. You know, it was negated by a penalty, but still, I did not like that pass. That's not a pass I, I see Andrew Luck making. And, you know, when you see these two guys on the field at the same time, you, you're seeing the the quarterback who is a savior of the franchise, who, who the guy who displaced Peyton Manning, which is saying something, even at that point in Peyton Manning's career. You saw a guy that when he watched him play, He's got such an incredible pocket feel. He just little moves here, little moves there, escapes the pressure, puts balls where they need to be. His guys dropping balls saved us a bunch, and we've pointed that out several times already tonight. The The difference that you see is Andrew Luck, his first two seasons, was not as good as Marcus Mariota has been. Uh, you know His stats, his uh, quarterback ratings, Marcus is starting out at a better clip. Marcus's 2015 season, his quarterback rating was 91.5. Andrew Lux was 76.5, and I honestly think the Colts were a better team than what Marcus had last year. So Marcus came out, and he played better in a system that most of us didn't like his rookie season. Andrew Luck, his second season, went up to an 87. So he improved, was it that 11.5 points? He did a good job. He made that progression the next year. 
Marcus has stepped back just a tiny bit. He, he's he's back two points. He's at 89.5 so far. The season is not over. He's still got lots of work to do. There's no reason why he couldn't end up with an even better rating at the end of the year. The, the key to all this is the third year. That's when Andrew Luck really took off. That, that was the season where he blew up, where he made that progression, made that next step. So when you're looking at this, do you feel like Marcus is on that track, even with the offense that we're running now? Is he going to make that big leap next year when we draft a few more talented players at skill positions to help him out? Yes, I do. And the other thing you have to take into consideration is there is a dip this year. He's also not throwing the ball as much. He's not throwing it down the field as much. And, you know, because our offense has changed a lot. And the other thing is it's his first year in a brand new offense. Everything he learned his first year as an NFL quarterback, you know, was thrown out the window. And it's all new. It's all completely new. That's a huge transition for anybody to make, let alone such a young quarterback uh, I mean, brand new system. That's you see guys struggle all the time. Veteran, good veteran quarterbacks struggle going into a new system. So that's why I think that accounts for the dip there. But I think Marcus is on a great path right now, and I, I don't see why people get down on him because I guess they just don't remember this guy's young because he's making some mistakes, but he's good more often than he's bad. He makes good throws. He makes good decisions. He's a great athlete. You know, we see that in the runs that he makes. It just takes time. You know, as the offensive line gets um, better, which they've played great to this point, but he gets more playmakers. His wide receiver talent is really low right now. Get that, and then you get the defense better to where you're not playing from behind so often. And, yeah, Marcus's numbers are going to go way up. Um, but, you know, through two seasons, as you pointed out here, he's better than what Luck was. You know, you look at almost... Every category, except for his, obviously, because Luck was chucking the ball constantly. But, you know, he's he's a much better quarterback, even if you look at their averages. You know, their average yards gained. Mariota was better in both years. So he's, you know, even throwing the ball down the field, Marcus was better at than what Luck was. More accurate, you know, less interceptions. Just, it's a growing process. No one comes in the league and dominates. And, and Marcus is learning. And he's in a new system, his second year in this system, and his third year in the NFL, I think you see him take that big step up. Yeah, I, I think back to when Brendan Roethlisberger came in the league and you know won as a rookie. That team was ready for a rookie quarterback to come in there and be successful. The Titans were not. The Titans had no talent. They didn't have Jerome Bettis running around in the backfield last year. There was no way that Marcus Mariota was going to come onto this team last year and win eight games, and particularly with Wizard Hunt as a coach. But there was no way it was going to happen. They just they don't have the talent this year. You know we're putting the ceiling at five hundred, and they're they're flirting with possibly getting past that, given that we have some easily winnable games left for this year. But we also have some tougher games, and we're going to have games like this, where you're playing a team that on paper you should be able to beat, but they've got a great quarterback. And that can make the difference. They, they came out with a good game plan. They negated parts of what we do really well, and we didn't have a counterpunch in mind yet because we just don't have the talent to switch who we are. You know, we, we we couldn't switch to a quick pass rush. We couldn't switch to dropping everybody back because our secondary isn't good enough to drop everybody back and cover. They just they can't hold up that long. They're not there yet. It's 
really a question of apples and oranges. The, the Colts were in a better position to win than the Titans were. They still are. But I think we're on a better path team-wise. And this year, it, it is what it is as far as the talent that we have on the field. Next year, I agree. He should make a nice big step up because he'll have a second year in a system. It, it's a system that's not designed for him. Last year, the system was a little bit more pro-Marcus, less everything else, because he didn't have a single running back on the team that was worth designing for. You know, we didn't have any wide receivers that were worth that consideration either. We still really don't. But there was no running game last year either. So the fact that he played that well on a team that was that bad all across the board, the offensive line was just terrible last year. There are no running backs, no wide receivers. This year, the offensive line has played a lot better. It's about to start getting a little bit rougher with the injuries. But we have a running back who can absolutely take over the game for you. And that makes everything easier in the long run. It's just it's not the way Marcus is used to winning. He's got to get comfortable with it next year. I think the tempo of the offense picks up a little bit, but it's still going to be a smash-mouth team. Yeah, a couple of points you brought up here. First, with Big Ben you know, coming in and winning in his rookie year, you look at those games, especially in the playoffs, they won in spite of him, not because of him. You know, that defense, that running game, you know, they won in spite of Big Ben, not because of him. You watched him throw, you know, I believe in the one game he had no touchdowns, two interceptions, they won the game. That's, you know, a great defensive effort and a great running game, winning in spite of a quarterback, you know, similar to what we saw with the Broncos this year. Obviously, Big Ben a lot better than he was then. And, uh, yeah, and what you said, everything you said, I, I agree with. Marcus has a long way to go still, but I think you're seeing him get more comfortable in this system. You're seeing him uh, make smarter plays. You know, he's not forcing the ball as much. And, and I think that will continue, and he'll keep learning, keep growing, and I expect a lot out of him coming into the next year. Yeah, and I touched on it last week. Better as he's had fewer passes. You know, it, it's a sign that, you know, it's the way that the Pittsburgh Steelers were built. Exactly what you just said. You can win despite your quarterback if you've got a good running game and a good defense. We have an okay defense that plays really good at times and you know dominates weak teams. We have a good running game. Our offensive line is starting to fall apart right now. The, the rest of this season is going to end up being the, hey, our ceiling is six to eight wins for these reasons. The depth ends up eating you up with injuries. And it happens every year to every team. The really good teams, they have enough depth to adjust to it. We did a pretty good job, you know, putting Spain in there instead of Bell and, and absorbing that. And then Warback went down, and we absorbed that, and we kept getting better. I, I think Spain going down is the last straw, though. I think that our offensive line has to take a step back because there's just nobody left to step up. Uh, like, like we were saying earlier, I want Chartola to go in there because I want someone making mistakes at 100 miles an hour instead of somebody making mistakes at 50. No, I 100% agree there. I think that Trey Tola, I would like to see him get the start. And, you know, it is. It's a, The effort's there. The the drive is there. And I think that you're not going to see him get pushed around as much because of his physicality. I think you'll see him get burned around because of his physicality and the, like, the way he likes to play. But I don't think you're going to see him get pushed up through the middle of the line like we saw with Schwinky. Yeah. And so, you know, let's go ahead and look at our final notes in the game. You know, what went as you expected? Was there anything that really surprised you? A lot of it went as I expected. I, I know I expected a win. Uh, I thought 
the pass rush would take a step back. I didn't think that it would be completely nullified uh, like it was. So that was a little bit of a surprise for me. Also, you know, uh, I didn't expect us. We had a big lull there. We scored on the first drive, and then, you know, next five drives, we don't put any points on the board. The Colts end up getting 17. That lull on the offense uh, also kind of surprised me. But the rest of it, you know, kind of went as I expected. I thought it would be a closer game. I thought that the Colts would hang with us. I just thought we'd do better in, you know, a couple of certain areas here and there, and we'd be able to get out with a win. But overall, the game wasn't a shocker as a whole, but um, the little surprises here and there. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, the offense just completely fizzling out for five series. That was terrible. Uh, I didn't think it would be that long because this Colts team isn't good enough to stop us that often, but they did, so obviously I'm wrong. But you, you can call a defense that makes it very hard to run on you, but we were running the ball pretty well. Things weren't working out for us. That surprised me that we went that long between scores. Even just a field goal you know, changes the complexion of the game. It, that, that did surprise me. The uh, pass rush, they did a better job than I thought they would of canceling them out. I I had a feeling that Arakpo and Casey weren't going to get it done. I thought we'd get a little bit more pressure up the middle. You know, Klug did get his half sack, like I said. But I just I thought that they would find a way to get somebody else back there. The, the Colts did a better job of game planning for our pass rush than I expected them to. Absolutely they did. Pagano and Luck won this game. Uh, between the two of them, the great game plan that they had for our pass rush and then uh, Luck going out there and executing that's what beat us this week. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to talk about getting out coached, th- this was one of those games. Just they, they had a better game plan than we did this week. You know, Pagano earned his paycheck. And injuries just they ate us up because we just aren't a very deep team right now. But so looking ahead next week, you know, we're playing the uh, Jags. They, they struggled in that loss to Oakland. They looked very beatable. You know, what do you expect the Titans to do well against them? And what concerns do you have for that game? I think our pass rush will be a lot better in that game because I don't think that they're as good on the left side of their line. Plus, I don't think their running backs are as good as picking up blocks. We saw that a lot from Frank Gore, who's a guy that does it very well, uh, you know, picking up blocks in the passing game. I don't think that the Jags have a running. And I like, you know, I like Ivory. I think he's a good back, and he is kind of a bigger guy, but he he does overcommit at times, and he will get handled. So I think that that could... Uh, that our pass rush is going to be better next week. Um, so that's one area that I'm I'm excited to see. But what does scare me is if Cox is out, which we of course we said we don't know if he is yet or not, right now listed as day-to-day with a concussion protocol. But if he is out, they do have two stellar wide receivers out there that can do a lot. And, you know, you only have one Jason McCourty. So that obviously gives them a big heads up. That is one of my main concerns going into this game. Obviously, if Cox plays, I'm not as worried about it. But I think if we can still, even with Cox out, if we can get two Bortles, we can win this game. And I think we will win this game if we can get the pass rush there. And then on the other side of the ball, I want to see Mario to make smart decisions. Jalen Ramsey has been playing pretty pretty well so far this season. I thought he was going to have more of an adjustment period, and I was obviously wrong. He stepped up and he's played pretty well. So you need to make smart decisions because outside of Jalen Ramsey, 
The secondary is not that strong, so there is some spots to be made. I mean, they do have some some so- a solid secondary. It's not terrible, but there is some spots to be made, and we have a lot of guys on our offense that are about the same talent level when it comes to wide receivers. So pick your spots, read through your progressions, and make smart plays with the ball. I think that'll be a big factor for us. Plus, just pound the rock. Uh, this is a team that we should be able to run on. Uh, with relative ease, especially with how good uh, our line's been run blocking and how good DeMarco Murray's been. Pound the rock, dictate the clock, dictate the game to the Jaguars. I think that'll be, uh, you know, keys for us. And But really, the only thing that really scares me out of this game from this team that we're going to be playing is having only one Jason McCourty out there. And, you know, if we don't have a Parrish Cox, that could be a problem. Yeah, it's all about injuries in this matchup for us. If we uh, if we go out there, we have to take on Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, Arkees Lee. You know th- those those three guys. Then you add in you know, the tight ends. Th- this has the makings of a bad game for our defense because they've got tight ends who can make plays in the game. They've got wide receivers who can get down the field, who can go up and win. And we've got one defensive back that I could feel it comfortable counting on. And we've got a, a a hole in the middle of our defense when it comes to the passing uh, game. Blake Bortles is not Andrew Luck. Their offensive line is not likely to be able to pull off the same pass protection scheme just because of who they've got out there. And Frank Gore, he really did have a big impact this game. He's athletically average now. He is still a very smart running back. He, he, he does the little things that allow him to be successful and still be in the league at this point. You, you cannot you know, put a price tag on that necessarily as far as the value of that and the intangible ways that you win a game. I I think that offensively we should be able to move the ball against the Jaguars. Like you said, they've got some guys who can make some plays. They've got a lot of names and a lot of money invested in this team that just hasn't made a good fit yet. You know, they, they aren't on the same page. They aren't playing together. Something's not clicked for them. Unfortunately, our team is a team that teams tend to get it figured out against. You know, all of a sudden they get healthy. And now that we're so banged up, it's going to be harder for us to stop that. I think we absolutely, like you said, have to pound the rock. We have to establish a strong running game. I don't want us having to throw the ball a whole bunch because that means that we're getting in a shootout. And as much as we don't like the Jaguars, I don't feel comfortable getting in a shootout with them because our defense is so beat up right now and our offensive line is so bad. And, you know, it's weird to say that they're all so bad because they were the number one unit in the league just a week ago. But once you take out that key uh, cog of Spain, we don't have a good offensive line anymore at that point. And I'm not sure that we can develop the kind of uh, chemistry and feel that they need to be as good of an offensive line just one week later. I agree. Uh, No, I agree. Uh, That's going to be obviously the injuries play a huge factor into this. And it's it's not like we're losing guys that are great players. You know, Parrish Cox has been he got exposed early in the year, but he has really stepped up and he's played better. Quentin Spain has really stepped up this season, um, for you know from what we saw from the first year and, and coming out of West Virginia. Obviously, I'm a West Virginia fan. I'm very familiar with Quentin Spain, um, and I didn't expect him to to jump up this quickly. And he those two have impressed, but it's just the lack of talent after them. That really is the issue. Uh, but this is a big game for us. This is, I think, a must-win for us 
because, you know, you look at the Texans right now. We're recording this on Monday night. Right now they're losing to Denver right before going into halftime, 14-16. to 16. Likely going to lose to the Broncos in this game. And then next week they take on the Lions, which I know we beat, but the Lions have been playing better since then. And I think this is a team that could beat Houston. And then if you look at the Colts' schedule, they take on Kansas City. So if we win this game, we could jump back up in front of the Colts uh, and get within, you know, get right on Houston if they end up losing these two games or if they end up winning next week at least stay within arm's reach of Houston very important um, within our division to win this game to keep us in that hunt Um, especially because I don't think the Colts are going to be able to pull off win next week and it's going to be iffy if the Texans can yeah getting back to 500 is just crucial for this team as far as their confidence goes winning a game at home you've got to get that done and it's a division rival. We, if we start, if we lose to every single division rival to start it out, the best we can do is 500 with them. Our record isn't there to put us in position. If people want this team to go to the playoffs, if they, if they think that's a legitimate possibility, they've got to win this game because you can possibly win this division at 500. I don't think that you can win it with a losing record this year. And if we're the guys who have lost all the tiebreakers, it won't be us. Absolutely. You know, another great point is the tiebreakers. That's going to play a huge factor, and I think, this year, because I don't think any of these teams are really going to jump out and stay at a, at a heavy lead. So we got to win these divisional games. They're always important, um, you know, for tiebreakers to get our record up, to keep us um, in the hunt in this division. Uh, this is a very important game, a must-win for us. And I think we end up do getting the win, but I think that it's going to be a hard-fought game. What kind of number would you put on it? My official prediction, I think I'm going to go with uh, 24-27. I think it's going to be tight just because these Titans-Jaguars games always seem to be. uh, Plus, this team does have some talent on it for sure. Um, So 27-24 is going to be my prediction. Matt, Matt, you may have noticed, has not been with us for the last few minutes here. Uh, His his score was 24-17. He also sees us winning. Uh, 24 seems to be the right number against this defense. I'm going to say 24-20 we win. It's going to be a closer one than we want it to be just because you know we're coming to this game a little hurt and we're missing some key positions. Even if those guys aren't that big, big time of a player, we don't have guys behind them who are ready to step up and take that role. So if we win, it's going to be a close one. I could see us losing, which I hate to do, and losing badly. Uh, just if we make mistakes, we're going to have to play a really good game. Marcus is going to have to get rid of that one interception that he threw there. We, we can't fumble the ball. Special teams is going to have to step up and do their job. We need to be good in all phases when your depth is starting to struggle. I absolutely agree. I think that we need to play hard, need to play physical, need to get a win in this game. And if you want to know more about this matchup, get all the in-depth in it. You need to be reading Glenn's Know Your Enemy articles um, there will be one up for this week, as there is every week, and he really breaks down, gets really in-depth with the matchups, obviously more so than we can on the short time that we spend on the upcoming game in the show. So definitely check that out. Uh, this week, every week, there's a poll question put up. This week, the poll question will be, what do you think is the, the biggest key to the Titans winning this game against the Jaguars? It'll be the, the pass rush. The secondary being able to hold up, 
uh, Mariota, the running game, uh, several options there. So what do you think is going to be the key? That's the poll question this week. And the last thing, we have this Thursday night game at home against the Jaguars. And we say it every week. It's the same spiel. If you're in the area or you can get there, go support this team. It's We need to fill this stadium and get a true home field advantage. We've seen Delaney Walker talk about how it's just disgusting um, here and the other team cheer in your stadium. We need to be the dominant force in home field and really get a real home field advantage back. And I know we're coming off a loss here, but we need to be able to do it. Prime time, uh, you know, the nation's watching. Let's show up and show up loud and proud and help this team get a win this week against the division rival. But that's Absolutely. About- and remember, we are now on iTunes, so you have another option for listening to us. Not everybody had the Podbean app or wanted to have to go get a separate app. So if you've got an iPhone, we've got iTunes now. Yeah, definitely. You know, big, big news uh, coming out on iTunes. So definitely check us out on iTunes. Uh, just search for the show, Two Tone Uncensored, there on iTunes. Check out the website if you want to at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com. That's where the poll question will be. You can always get the shows right there, and that's how you get to Glenn's uh, Know Your Enemy articles every single week, everything right there. Um, Thanks, everybody, for listening, and tighten up. Tighten up. Thanks for listening to the Two-Town Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotownuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two-Town Uncensored and like us on Facebook.